And we're back with episode two of Back to Normal. This time, um, we're going to cover a few different things that I've got on my mind since launching yesterday's episode. Today is August 24th. It's a Monday. And the first thing I want to do is talk a little bit about the concept of launching a podcast in 24 hours. So um, it's kind of an involved process. Basically, what happened is I've been thinking about this for actually, you know, a couple months, but I haven't really done anything about um you know, having a creative outlet uh, for myself in a couple of years. But um, all this stuff has been kind of coming up in my head over and over again. And I have a podcast network website already all set up um, at unwindmedia.com, which is where this podcast is hosted. And I thought to myself, you know, I've, I've had this for a while. I haven't had any shows running on it for a couple of years. I haven't had any new episodes posted on it for a couple of years. Um, I want to do something creative and I have this kind of infrastructure pre-built and I already know because I've launched many shows before. This is kind of, I think the eighth or ninth um, show on the network. And so I know that I have the technical capabilities and the infrastructure set up in order to launch a show really quickly. And so basically what I wanted to do, because I'm not planning, this is kind of for myself, I'm not planning on necessarily, at least not right away, sharing it broadly trying to get listenership. That's not really what it's for. This is kind of for me to think things through and practice and, you know, just kind of catalog the way I'm feeling. And so um, there are a lot of little moving pieces and things to consider in order to launch a podcast in 24 hours. I don't think that a lot of people necessarily have that, the ability to spin something up, turn it from idea into, um, you know, finished posted product, um, including like things like podcast art, things like choosing a theme song, um, building it all in. It takes a lot of hardware and software and kind of, like I said, digital infrastructure, things like a website, um, hosting, all that in order to be able to do this. And it just so happens that because I had this network that um, had several shows on it a couple of years ago, well, up until a couple of years ago, um, I'd never actually turned any of those knobs down. So they were all just sitting there kind of ready. If I was, if I was publishing a new episode of any of those shows, they would just kind of fit right in and they would be able to hit publish and hit go. And, um, so I was basically able to use that kind of think up really quick, simple podcast artwork and, you know, pick a theme song that I liked that was in the public domain. Um, the YouTube audio library is really great for that. And, um, you know, I, I made some, a couple of changes to my website and added a new category, a new podcast series. Um, I've got a company, I work with a company called Feed Blitz for my RSS hosting, um, just because that means if I if I ever need to change podcast hosts, if I ever need to do anything like that, um, that my feeds can at least stay with the same address. I probably don't need that anymore, but it's so cheap. It's something like $15 or $20 a year um, for that RSS hosting that it's not really worth not having it. Um, right now I'm on WordPress and I don't really see myself leaving WordPress anytime soon. Um, in the past, I've been kind of jumping from host to host. And so it was more important at the time to have something like your feed be consistent. And so I did that. Um, but at this point, Feedless is kind of, it's just what I've got. And so it was just a matter of putting up a new feed there, pointing in the right direction. And, you know, I've got the audio hardware. I've got the audio software to do editing. Um, it was kind of just a matter of piecing it together once I had my half hour of audio. And so it worked really well. And, you know, literally from kind of hitting, starting to hit record to publishing the episode, I think was almost exactly 24 hours, which is kind of crazy if you, if you actually think about it. But, um, 
I think it turned out well. And though I'm not, like I said, I'm not looking to get publicity off this. I'm not looking to, you know, make money off it, certainly. But um, it's really more of a just a creative outlet for me. And so um, it's really interesting to me and, and I'm kind of happy about it. The fact that I was able to try this and that, you know, in 24 hours, I was able to get something that actually looks reasonable. And um, though it doesn't look, it looks like it doesn't have a high perfect, um, a high production value because it doesn't. Um, it is something that's actually reasonable and totally passable, and so I'm really happy with it. So I want to move from that um, kind of topic, which was really great. Um, if, if anyone has any questions about how to launch a podcast in 24 hours, or if you want to um, have a show but are looking for some way to host it or information how to host it, I'm happy to answer questions. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Rob Attrell. And again, like, I'm, like I said, I'm happy to answer questions. I've been, I've been doing a little bit of podcast mentoring up until about 2018, um, when I when I stopped doing new podcasts, um, so I do have quite a bit of experience. And <laughs> obviously, if you're able to launch a podcast in 24 hours, I can't be that rusty. Um, everything is kind of running. So if if you are looking to get something like this started, it can actually happen that quickly. You just have to really kind of commit yourself to the idea and uh, jump in with both feet. So um, going down that that kind of rabbit hole in my mind has got me thinking that. Um, Another thing I want to talk about is what this project can actually be. And um, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of kind of micro decisions you have to make when you're doing something creative. And so, I mean, there's all kinds of questions like how frequently do I want to do this? Is this going to be a daily thing? Um, since right now, at least it's just me talking. Um, I'm not, I don't have any kind of, I don't have any thoughts of making it this long form thing. I want it to be short, kind of quick hits um, have a few notes of kind of things I want to discuss. And so if I'm going to do a daily, it's definitely not going to be a long thing. Cause I just don't have time for that. It needs to be really relatively short and quick to edit. And, um, so yeah, right now what I'm thinking about is kind of, I would love to try daily, but what I'm probably going to go for is kind of almost daily and just see, see what comes out of that. If a day comes up that I can't do it, I'm not going to beat myself up over it. Um, you know, aiming for around 15 minutes, maybe, seems reasonable maybe between 10 and 15 minutes depending on what's going on if there's something that i find that i really want to talk about it can go longer like i said the nice thing about podcasts is there's no especially when you're self kind of making it yourself and, and really for yourself there's no minimum or maximum amount of time that something needs to be you're not trying to fill airtime you're really just talking until you don't have anything else to say and um, yeah, so that's going to be kind of my aim is to keep it under 15 minutes unless there's a good reason not to. And, um, you know, I'll see what happens if if something does come of this or I feel like I want to have a conversation with somebody. Maybe we'll, I'll have guests on every once in a while. I don't I have no idea. No plans for that right now. Haven't approached anybody. Haven't even actually told anybody that I'm doing this. Um, my goal is just kind of see if if people listen to it and get something from it, then that's great. But I'm not actually... That's not my goal right now. My goal is to just kind of, like I said, keep practicing. And um, yeah, so if you're listening to this, then then thanks for listening and I hope you like it. Um, if you have any questions about, um, you know, what my thoughts are, if there's anything that you think I should talk about, um, I'm probably going to talk some somewhat about technology topics um, just because that's one of my kind of major interests. I'll probably talk a bit about um, how things are going um, again, this, this podcast is called back to normal. Um, one of the, the kind of goals of this is to make a podcast every so often, if it's going to end up daily, that's great. Um, but it's going to be kind of 
just thoughts because things are so not normal right now it's going to be kind of talking um talking about how they're not normal and and you know the the consequences of that and just kind of musings and and the way i'm thinking about things as as they go just because i think it'd be nice to have uh, you know a record of all the different thoughts that are going through my head as as things change and uh yeah so that's basically what this is going to be but like i said Metavolve might change some of the best projects some of the best creative things that i've ever seen started out as one thing and ended up as a completely different thing and grew for it like if if the the creative project had turned out to stay at what it was from the beginning then i don't think it would have been as interesting so um yeah so i'm just kind of gonna let this be what it is and if it changes then then it changes the last thing I want to talk about in this episode is something that's kind of near and dear to my heart. Um, like I said in the first episode, um, our family, our little family unit is three people. So me, my wife, and my daughter. My daughter just turned two in April, so she's not necessarily going to school. But I wanted to kind of just think through some things out loud um, as it relates to opening schools with with COVID pandemic going on. And uh, how irresponsible I think that is opening them in the way that uh, Ontario is doing it. So I live in Ottawa, in Ontario, and my wife is a teacher, but she's actually not going back in September. And um, so we're kind of just, we're going to be relatively unaffected. We've been, um, as I said in the first episode, we uh, as a family have been very isolated physically um, since March, since the very beginning. Um, Everything started locking down, and I think we're very lucky to be in that position um, but that being said, as we went from, you know, we called the, we had these phases, phase one, phase two, phase three of reopening. Um, we're now basically as open as we're going to be for the foreseeable future. And, um, so business is starting to open up. Um, we're kind of almost the end of August here. So there's about a week until school would be starting up and teachers were basically given two or three weeks, um, of, of like technically of time to open schools to to go from deciding that schools were going to be open not that the teachers made that decision but um being made aware that this was happening to having to have a classroom full of students and i don't think that's enough time to prepare i think um a lot of the last six months or so since you know end of february um have been mostly wasted trying to trying to um trying to make short-term plans based on what's happening kind of week to week. And I really think that rather than doing this kind of short-term planning, which is still what's happening, we're still planning two or three weeks ahead. Um, what I really think makes more sense to do for schools and for, for anything, for any business, for anything, is um, if you can't do what you want to do with things getting way worse, with number of cases going up, kind of not quite exponentially, but linearly, let's say, then um, it's not a good idea to plan for doing it that way. And so schools are an example of that. Like if you start putting people, especially young people who don't know any better or who don't know a lot better into confined spaces, um, I think you'll quickly find the cases are going to start to go up. And we're basically, I think we could end up right back where we were in March and making needing to make the decision do we shut everything down again like everything the city because there's going to be potentially hundreds dozens or hundreds or a thousand kids that all get sick around the same time 
um, and the possibility of much, much more than that. Um, or so we can either lock down or we can make the decision that, you know, no, we're not going to lock down. We did that and instead kind of focused on a one at a time, one classroom at a time, one student at a time, one, maybe one school at a time, if it gets really bad, um, shutting things down. And I, I just don't see how that's particularly productive. And one of the things that I read the other day was that Ontario has basically, while we're not the only school kind of region, the education region to have a plan to reopen, um, we're one of the ones that has funded it the least. And I think it's kind of unfortunate that um, education is kind of perennially, perennially unfunded. But um, I don't think that's, I'm not necessarily saying that money throwing money at this problem will save it because it's it's a public health problem it's not really a money problem but at the same time if you're able to have if the problem is like the the physical problem with schools is that there's there are basically throughout the day you're expected to be in close proximity with other people and because kids are young and don't necessarily understand everything that's going on um you know public health wise without you know kids are much more likely to forget you know if you have to cough, cough into your arm. If you're feeling sick, wear a mask or stay home, especially. Um, I think that we're going to find a lot of people getting sick. And uh, I think the province of Ontario is going to have a really hard time saying, you know, this city, this region, um, a lot of people are getting sick at school. We need to shut things back down. I think um I think we could pretty easily get back to a point where we were at mid-March where things are starting to kind of look exponential in growth and um, having to make the hard decision to shut things down again and and potentially making the bad decision of not shutting things down again, even if they do get bad and um, you might start to see things get really bad. I, I would be so glad if that didn't happen, but that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm thinking right now based on how it seems. Um, one of the last things that I heard here, and, and I'll kind of end the show on this point, is that especially in Ontario, education tends to be underfunded, like I said. Um, but that the reason that the province is not really willing to decrease class sizes for in-person learning is that once this is all over, assuming that there isn't kind of a clean or even a messy end to it, um, once it's all over, if teachers and students and parents see these smaller class sizes and see how much better learning is in general with them that they will just find that um, that should have been what was happening all along and realize that yes we should have been funding education better and that class sizes should be this small and we should be willing to invest in the future of like the future generations with school and so rather than having class sizes go from say um having classes be currently you know they can they can get up to about 30 35 kids in a class and um seeing the quality of education you could get if you have say 10 or 15 maximum kids in a class um i think that it's it seems pretty intuitive and obvious to me that it's going to be easier to learn better if you have smaller class sizes and it's not really the top performers I think will probably be okay in a giant class um, a class with 35 kids but it's the it's the worst performing students that will benefit the most from having smaller class sizes because they will get more time whereas the kids at the top of the class 
they're mostly, and I know, I'm not saying I was, I was necessarily at the top of my class because I wasn't, but I was mostly able to, um, you know, pay attention to lessons and learn what I needed to learn. It wasn't difficult for me at school to, um, I didn't need that individual time with the teacher. Um, like I know that a lot of students do. And I think just having small class sizes would really benefit those students the most. And so if, if these changes were made during a pandemic, it would cost a lot of money. But um, I don't think the province is necessarily worried about spending this money during an emergency situation during a pandemic. Um, it seems very clear that what they're worried about is spending that money on an ongoing basis year after year because, um, you know, but like I said, because staff at the school, because students themselves, because the parents have gotten used to it and seen that quality um, of education go up, that they, they wouldn't be willing to let it go back down. And that while spending right now on the, during this situation, during this emergency situation is acceptable because it has to happen, um, doing it in a, on an ongoing basis is just untenable for these governments. And um, I think that's kind of sad, but I think that's basically what's happening here. So um, I really hope, like I said, that in, in a couple of weeks' time, when schools are open and things are kind of, again, for schools, for elementary students, things are basically back to normal, um, except for the teacher being kind of decked out like a, like they're entering a biohazard zone, which which literally, I think, legally it is. Um, I hope that we don't see a massive increase in cases, but I'm prepared for the fact that we might. And uh, and that's kind of sad. So, we'll obviously, we'll all be keeping our ears and eyes posted. Um, on the news for for how this goes but i think a lot of people are just holding their breath and hoping anyways that's it for this episode thanks for listening and uh, talk to you next time bye